Have we made that joke yet? I don't think we Probably. have. We've been doing the show for two years. This show is sponsored by Yu-Gi-Oh's. <laughs> Send your hunger to the Shadow Realm. I would love... It's time for a delicious breakfast. <laughs> I would love, as we like finish this season in a few weeks, and like you know like you and i were talking about like do some other shows and just kind of like spitball and and try to figure out what the next thing is i would love to do even just a few episodes where we are in universe in Yu-Gi-Oh, talking about Yu-Gi-Oh, like commenting on an episode as though we are newscasters as though we're spectators yeah and this is just ubiquitous to the world we live in right right (laughs) And then we have, like, ad breaks. <laughs> and we have to come up with, like, in-universe, like, dual salons. Where they, like, you you take your, your deck and your dual disc system and they, like, make them all look nice so you can be cool. <laughs> right. right. They teach you, you the... like, different, like, drawing techniques. They've got the Kaiba where he likes to take the two fingers and just, like, pulls them out and holds it at arm's length. Mm-hmm. You have to get the outfit, you have to get the uh, the sort of theme down, you know, they teach you about like having a consistent theme throughout your, your outfit and your deck. Yeah, you get a, um, what's the term for someone who like, is it like your personal shopper or your personal, ta- personal tailor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a personal tailor, except they're trying to like redo your whole look to be based around your deck. That could be extremely good. Wouldn't it? Because I feel like people in this universe would need something like that. Like, oh, you're a bug guy. There's already a bug guy who's pretty famous. So let's take your deck in a slightly different direction. Make it bugs and machines. That kind of thing. Right, 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 right. Or, uh, uh, you know, oh, I have this green jacket in stock. Why don't you just be the grasshopper dude? Yeah, just have all grasshopper cards. Right. And they're like fashion designers who are also duelists like uh <laughs> critiquing your whole look make sure your your outfit has the same like colors as like your main monsters that you draw i love that i could use that honestly that sounds great <laughs> and of course it would be at a, a steep price but that's the price you got to pay for being a good duelist is you have to have your your whole bit that you have going on. I yeah, I mean, but there's a part of that I'm going to get I'm going to I'm going to speak honestly here for a second. There's a part of that that's really appealing to me as a person. I don't know if you're recording or not. I'm recording. I'm recording. Yeah. Okay. Uh uh there's there's a part of that that really speaks to me as a person because like I am already actively trying to pare down my wardrobe so that I mm. have one shirt in three different colors and then like a couple like printed t-shirts or whatever a couple of button downs and then like two pairs of pants in duplicates Mm -hmm. and i i just i want to become all nice clothes that you can then like mix and match but they're all basically you don't have to worry about anything ever i never want to have to think like what am i going to put on today i want to have that uniform just like ready to (laughs) you want to be you want to be a cartoon character who wears the same thing every day. I want to be Doug from the television show Doug. 
Like there's that scene. I know I've talked about this on the show before. There's that show Pepper Ann. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, was that Disney Saturday? I don't Saturday remember mornings? anything about Pepper Ann. Uh, Pepper Ann, Pepper Ann, much too cool for seventh grade. Um, Pepper Ann. That's she's basically like, the only thing I remember about Pepper Ann. She's like one in a million. Uh, but there's a scene where I think it's Pepper Ann. This might. This probably also happens in Doug. I know it happens in Rocco's Modern Life, uh, where she opens the closet and it's like a dozen of the same outfit the same shirts yeah. yeah i love that there's something so comforting about that to me because like i don't know i get really weird about how clothes fit do i want to be wearing like that logo today like oh i have a video call with that person do i want to be wearing my like games done quick shirt i don't know like i don't want to have to think about any of that i just want somebody to look at my shtick and say okay here is your uniform such that everything in your life matches and you never have to think about this ever again that would honestly be real nice but i like getting new shirts too much new shirts like half my goddamn closet is just full of different t-shirts i'm wearing i don't know if you can tell on the camera i'm wearing the shirt that you got me actually this is the I you can't see because academy it's, t-shirt uh it's so dark i can't tell <laughs> it's faded pretty bad but it's still like uh well that and your webcam is coming across like half the globe well yeah you know we're we're, we're shooting this into space it's the like established 1996 Yu-Gi-Oh uh-huh. Dueling uh, League T-shirt. Oh, good. From a slash store probably. <laughs> <laughs> Merch. Merch. Slash shop. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh.com <laughs> slash store slash merch slash shop. <laughs> Ask your parents or a guardian if it's okay before going online. <laughs> That's very funny to me, especially as someone whose website is um, Heart of the Dot Cards. <laughs> Just completely messing up the website format is oh, very funny to me. Shit, for some shit, reason. shit. <laughs> that reminds me, I need to find that other website we were talking about. I oh, you haven't gotten that yet? Oh, I meant please. to do it yesterday and then it just got late. Uh, please still be available. It's still available. Adding to cart. I'm just going to buy it right now. Okay. <laughs> Good. We can plug it at the end of the show. Oh. This is maybe one of the dumber things that I've done recently. It's time to pop up pop 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 podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh recap podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. This week we're talking about season 2 episode 45, Duel with Destiny, part 2. Jimmy, we fucked up. Did we? I fucked up. <laughs> you a monster. I'm, I'm including you in on this. It's my fault. The episode's actual title is A Duel with Destiny. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We're going to get some angry emails over this one, folks. I mistyped in my original notes when we did last week's episode, and I, I wrote Duel with Destiny Part 1, not A Duel with Destiny Part 1. Please address all complaints to Tyler. And te- I had no 
I had no 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 hold on this. Technically, if you're watching this on Netflix, it's actually a duel with destiny part one or part two, colon Kaiba versus Ashizu. <laughs> really dropping the ball here. Left I, and right. <laughs> the ball is nowhere to be seen. I dropped it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Off court. Penalty. I'm like I'm like Skrillex with the base. I have dropped you it. dropped it. <laughs> what a uh, topical reference. <laughs> you know me. You know me. I'm I, I'm into what the kids know. <laughs> I don't make uh, a podcast about a 15-year-old show. <laughs> 20-year-old now? How old is this show? How old is this show? It came Who out knows? in the early 2000s, so almost 20. At least. Didn't we celebrate an anniversary? Wasn't that an episode that we did? How old, I don't remember. How old Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> They'll just bring you Yu-Gi's age. <laughs> oh, no. How old is Yu-Gi? I don't know. 15? Uh, 5,000. Trick question. <laughs> oh, hey. Uh, okay, let's see. Um... This Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, it's 20 years old. Yeah, April 2000. Uh, for, right. for this version. Um, I, I, I love just, you know, one of our classic tangents. I pulled up the Wikipedia page for Yu-Gi-Oh! to learn that fact that I definitely <laughs> should have known. Uh, and the first paragraph is so nice. Yu-Gi-Oh! is a Japanese manga series about, a ga- about gaming, written and illustrated by Kazuki Takahashi. It was serialized in uh, Shuisha's uh, Weekly Shonen Jump magazine between uh, September 30th, 1996 and March 8th, 2004. The plot follows the story of a boy named Yugi Moto who solves the ancient millennium puzzle. Yugi awakens a gambling alter ego within his body that solves his conflicts using various games. Oh, a gambling alter ego? A gambling alter ego. You know, some people might say that's a problem. (laughs) Huh. I is, would not describe Yami Yugi as gambling in either of his incarnations we've seen. Does this mean, though, that in the original iteration of Yu-Gi-Oh, that Yami Yugi is actually a manifestation of Yugi Moto's gambling addiction? <laughs> Maybe. And he's like, no, no, no. no. Still magic. I could stop whenever I want to. It's the 5,000-year-old spirit that's making me gamble. <laughs> it's not me, you guys. It's I'm so scared. It's this other guy. It's the new, the devil made me do it. <laughs> the Millennium Puzzle made me do it. That's why I killed Kaiba, your honor. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't manslaughter. It was negligence, I guess. I don't really know. I don't really it was know. crushing his brain using magic. Ah, oh. don't you just hate it when that happens? Ah, <laughs> oh, nuts. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I implore you. Don't you just hate it when that happens? <laughs> <laughs> no, your honor. I, I can't prove it because the millennium puzzle is in the evidence locker. I need to touch it. Please let me touch it. <laughs> <laughs> please, please let me touch my necklace. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's this podcast. Got let's it. let's actually make the show that we're here to make. Uh, this week we are talking about the second part of the episode. We don't really have any preamble. 
I guess that was no. it. So let's yeah. just let's just skip straight into talking about it if that's okay with you. Yeah. The it's recap. T- oh. oh I was go gonna ahead. can I try just right. Yes. It's time to discuss the episode. Okay, go on. I just want to say, uh, before we get started, the recap at the beginning of this episode gets across the same amount of information as the entire last episode did. If not more. If not more. This is a classic problem of (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh! It sticks in your mind better because you only have to watch 30 seconds of it instead of half an hour. Exactly. So much of the last episode, there was so much, like, fluff. It was all fluff. It was like one thing that happened and it was their dueling ta-da and like I, I i'm i'm thankful for this recap because honestly after watching last week's episode i could not tell you what that episode was about it's about kaiba wanting to bring out obelisk the tormentor but he oh. always wants to bring out obelisk the tormentor this entire say, season i was gonna say it's just like episodes uh, uh one through 44 <laughs> if you've forgotten what kaiba is like here's your reminder <laughs> Here's your Kaiba flashcard. <laughs> if you want to summon Obelisk the Tormentor, you just might be a Kaiba. Fuck. <laughs> uh, the episode opens with Kaiba. You want to do the summary? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the translated title for this episode is An Attack That Changes the Future. I don't know if you remember last week's translated title. Last week's translated title was disappointing. It was Kaiba versus the Eighth, the Duelist. So this is a big improvement. This is a big improvement. The summary here says... Also, it comes across as way cooler than what actually happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the summary here says, As Kaiba summons Obelisk, he is unaware of the trap Ashizu has implanted within the monster, which will destroy him when he attacks. But Kaiba soon has an unexpected vision in the midst of the duel, which goes against Ashizu's own predictions. Gasp! Bum, bum, bum. You cannot change your fate! <laughs> uh you? Or can you? I mean, that's kind of the opening of the episode where Kaiba is like, Ahaha, I will show you that I am the better duelist. Do you really think that destiny is on your side, Ashizu? And Ashizu goes, yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can see destiny. So the answer is yes. That's that's my whole She's deal. She's like, I predict that you will want to play Obelisk Tormentor. And he's like, I don't believe in your fairy tale hocus pocus nonsense. I want to play Obelisk the Tormentor. <laughs> For completely unrelated reasons. <laughs> right? Because of... What, what does he say throughout this like whole fucking arc? He's like, because of skill and power and good cards. He has an extremely Kaiba line that comes up later. Yeah, oh, we'll get to it. I'm sure I wrote yeah. it down. Uh, yeah, so that all happens. Merrick is there just sort of vibing. I don't really know what Merrick he's doing. Merrick is just watching the whole time, and he makes a face like a smug cat. Mm. This kind of didn't yes. come across in my notes, but look at this screenshot that I took. Pasting, pasting, loading. Oh my god! Yeah, this is the face of a cat that has just shit somewhere, and it won't <laughs> it tell you like, where. <laughs> it's like I bet you can't guess where I just shit. <laughs> mm, Yogi boy. Oh man, this makes me. Really... I took a dump, Kaiba, somewhere on your blimp. <laughs> Can you find it before time runs out? Uh... And it stinks up the whole place. I'm I the true villain of season two. Oh. 
God, I don't know what it is, but one of our cats can just clear a room with his shits. Really? It's amazing. He eats all the same food as the other cats. Is just His poops are just so stinky. I don't know why. We I... leave the window open in the spare room just so he doesn't, like, fumigate the house. We have gotten really lucky with Pepper in that regard. Like, he's not usually a very stinky dog. But every now and then, and we know why this is now, but every now and then he just emanates this smell that can only be described as burning tires. <laughs> I think I may have smelled this once or twice. Yeah, it's just, it's so awful. And you either got to wait it out or you got to like go and take him to somebody who can like express. You're like, how the, are you know. making this big a smell in this small an animal? Right, right. How, and like, in the case of your cats, how are you making this big of a different smell? (laughs) (laughs) Truly amazing. But that's exactly the sort of face that Merrick is making throughout this episode. Just Mm -hmm. a real smug sort of. (laughs) This is my favorite Merrick, I think, though. This is, this is peak Merrick for me. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's not like monologuing. He's just like being very smug to himself, watching someone else kick Kaiba's butt. Right, exactly. Well, because Merrick's one weakness is over-explaining his own plans. Yeah. So now he gets to over-explain someone else's plan. Which suits him. <laughs> he should go into commentating. Ooh, there you go. That's See, that's got to be the podcast, right? We got to do everything in character. We got to do the voices. <laughs> Merrick and Joseph Joestar. Oh no, Merrick and, Merrick and Speedwagon. Explaining everything down to the like nanosecond. American Speedwagon, what? <laughs> but they would have each to... episode would be like six hours long, explaining <laughs> right. twenty minutes of footage. What show would they do a, a commentary of, though? They would just do live duels. Oh, they would watch actual real life Yu Gi Oh tournaments. Oh, and narrate it like it's an anime. God, <laughs> we can't possibly do that. No, my no, no, no. my voice would not hold out that long. <laughs> Neither of us have the uh, the physical or mental stamina. <laughs> um. Okay. So, uh, Yugi has a moment. Uh, while Merrick is sort of doing his evil thinking, uh, Yugi has a moment where he suddenly realizes what the ramifications of Ashizu losing would be. Because if Ashizu loses, then uh, Yugi or a uh, Kaiba kind of becomes more Kaiba and Merrick may end up become becoming more evil because it was Ishizu that was sort of helping to keep back the the evil in Merrick. Well, Ishizu oh, and the um, darkness, yeah. Uh What was his name? <laughs> Which the guy, guy the guy got struck by lightning? Oh, Odeon. Odeon. Thank you. I wanted to say Oberon, but I knew that was not <laughs> correct. <laughs> the Oberdin. Uh, uh, so until, until we get to the return of the Oberdin, Ashizu is really the only, uh, person sort of keeping worse Merrick even sort of at bay, I guess. Yeah. And this whole tournament was her idea. So the fact that all these like disparate pieces of like enchanted cards and magical artifacts are all on the same airship without everything going to hell already. It's just mm-hmm. her, like, threading the needle of fate. Yeah, exactly. So if she exactly. loses, who knows what the fuck is going to happen. 
Right. That's sort of the the table flip moment of like, okay, well now no <laughs> now all bets are off. Now it's anyone's game. Right. Uh, uh Merrick does have yeah. a monologue here uh that Kaiba must accept his ancient past if he's going to win. Yeah, which is interesting because they've been making this whole big deal about like how Kaiba is one of the only people that can read the text on the Winged Dragon of Ra because he has some sort of connection Mystic. to ancient Egypt. Yeah, some kind of mystical mystical connection to the past. He's just the only one who like refuses to engage with that at all. Right, right. And so, yeah, like it wouldn't hurt him, I guess, to open his mind a little bit to the possibility that maybe something bigger than him is happening here. <laughs> Will he do that? No. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> He's Kaiba. Yeah. Uh, he, he, Yugi kind of gets wrapped up in this idea, uh, to the point where he is like completely lost in thought for this episode, which I thought was a really interesting touch. Uh, but in the duel, Ishizu predicts that Kaiba is going, uh, to go after her magic cards and, and get rid of them next. And to do that, he plays virus cannon, which destroys 15 magic cards from her deck. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's kind of... That feels a little OP, if I'm being honest. That feels yeah. like no one card should have all that power. Clock's ticking. Just count the hours. Um, But I'm looking at Virus Cannon right now. Uh, and it's, it's a similar effect. It says, Tribute any number of monsters except tokens. Your opponent sends an equal number of spells from their deck to the graveyard. Hmm. So it seems like, at least at the time the show was written, just that first part was missing. So Kaiba could just say like, eh, 15, just uh, get rid of them. <laughs> Bye, see ya. Yeah, who cares? So, so Ishizu's deck is now getting smaller. Uh, we get a really amazing shot of Ishizu discarding her spell cards and then putting her deck back in the dual disc. The camera is like inside the the card receptacle in the dual disc. So we see oh, her push. Oh, I must have completely missed that. It was a real quick shot, but we see her push the cards towards the camera as I they slide. I did notice in. that there is a lot of really unusual or interesting animation in this episode. Did you catch that too? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been saying for the last few episodes that it feels like they're changing up animators pretty frequently. And it may not be that they're changing up animators, but those animators are kind of still trying to figure out like what the style is as far as shot composition. Yeah, I was wondering if like maybe all of these episodes were getting worked on at the same time and it was different like teams of people doing each one. That could be. Like down to the storyboarding. That could very well be. I I don't really know what the what the working conditions were like here. But I mean, the show did come out weekly, so it would be it would stand to reason that they were probably overlapping. They had to, on yeah, some they episodes. had to make a bunch of episodes. Um, uh, yeah, so we both wrote down this next line. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so Kaiba goes. Um, uh, what is he? Oh, you have it here. Uh, Kaiba goes. I'm about to destroy your deck or what's left of it. <laughs> And, and then, and then, and then <laughs> <laughs> well, you should say you should say Ishizu's line, and then I'll, I'll yeah. do Kaiba's line. <laughs> well, Ishizu's just like, well, now you've fallen into my trap. 
And Kaiba goes, but how? Your cards, they're gone. Uh, I still have my trap cards, which is why I said trap. <laughs> not my traps. Hashtag not uh, all cards. She, yeah, she, her magic cards may be devastated, but she still has all these trap cards. And one of them was apparently still out on the field this whole time. Surprise, Kaiba. Um, she plays a card I don't think we've seen before. But it's absolutely a game changer. Yeah, I I feel like I've heard of this card, but this is the first time seeing it in the show for sure. Yeah, the card is Exchange of the Spirit, which for the low, low cost of 1,000 life points, swaps everyone's decks with their graveyards. Damn. So, so now Ishizu has all her good cards back, and Kaiba only has had like six cards in his graveyard. And so he basically has nothing. He has six cards he can draw from, and that's it. Yep. And once he gets to the end of those six cards, he loses the duel. This is another one of those cards that feels super overpowered to me, because you could play this, like, turn one. Yeah, sacrifice one monster or something, or discard a card. And then, like, I don't know, like, are there there other cards out there? I'm sure there are that make your opponent discard. There's got to be some kind of rules in play. So you can't just play this on the first turn and suddenly your opponent has no deck whatsoever and it loses. Because the thing is, is when you run out of cards in your deck and you can't draw anymore, eh, game over. Yeah, that's the end of the game. Let's look up this card. Yeah, yeah, exchange of the spirit. Total exchange of the spirit. Ah, this has... Oh, this is illegal. Uh, (laughs) The way Ishizu played it. Okay. Uh, This has a qualifier. If both players have 15 or more cards in their graveyards, you can Ah, play it. Ah, there it it is. There it is. Okay. You can only play this once per duel. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense for sure. The card art on this is really good. It's like two skeletons, or it's a skeleton and a, and a soldier, it looks like, sort of crossing paths in the ether. Yeah, one's like rising up and the other is falling down. As the it's the really skeleton good. is rising from the graveyard and the monster is being like cast down into oblivion. This card is also called Reversal of Graves, or uh, the Japanese title translates to reversal of the present world and underworld. Damn, that's which is good. fucking rad. That's spooky. <laughs> that's 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 tattoo worthy right there. <laughs> that uh, sounds like something that would happen to destroy a planet in like Final Fantasy. Yeah, that's the that's the opening cinematic of uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, reversal of the present world and underworld was such a great storyline in Smash Brothers. That's it's really truly my favorite Kirby story. Really putting do, Kirby do, front, do, front do, and do, 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 do. <laughs> Gotta love that present world hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Kaiba's left with pretty much bubkis yeah he's got he's got jack shit he does have the cards in his hand still so he's at least got uh obelisk the tormentor which i think taya points out um but you know not that many other cards to draw from which kind of sucks uh we got a cutaway shot to mokuba doing his 
hacking? <laughs> He's still hacking the winged dragon of Rawtex in what looks like some kind of weird version of Photoshop. It's like yeah. scanning all the like different like parts of the art and there's like graphs and stuff. None of which looks like translation software. No, I don't really understand what he's still doing there even. Like it kind of feels like this is one of those things where you just pardon me. One of those things where you just kind of point the computer at it and then you wait. Right? Yeah, like, it's just a countdown timer for Mokaba to do stuff. Yeah. He but, says he's almost done with a paragraph. He has like a sentence left. And he has like another computer next to him that's like showing the duel. It's like, it's, it's not even like a TV feed or anything. It's it's just showing the like screenshots of like the two players and like some of their cards and their life point totals. Well, and, and then that one was, of them goes down. That was the same thing that we saw when uh, when Serenity was in the hospital and that kid was watching the the duels with her. Uh, yeah, it's like, a very basic UI to be easily loaded on all laptops. The only time we've seen a televised duel was in Duke Devlin's shop. And I feel like nobody made a big enough deal of that. Like, Kaiba has put all this money into the infrastructure of having, like, satellites that can read cards from space. And he's not televising any of this? That's a missed opportunity. Yeah, these are the Battle City Finals, dude. What are you doing? I mean, okay, these I get he wants to be secret, but, like... Yeah, to be fair, he doesn't give a shit about the actual tournament. He just wants that god card. (laughs) Right, right. But if he could be the foremost, you know, he, he he could be he could be the most watched show on television. Yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't. Kaiba channel than, would be the only channel. He doesn't want everyone to see him getting his ass handed to him by magic, <laughs> <laughs> which he refuses to believe in. Right. But just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Just turn turn those cameras off. <laughs> Uh, so uh, so we, we go back to the duel. Ishizu summons Kelbeck. Oh, we have can't forget that Mokuba sees this happening and then just books it to go support Kaiba, apparently. But oh, right. Yes. Knowing leaves, what we know of Kaiba, that sounds like a bad idea. He leaves hacking room number six to go support his older brother. <laughs> However many blimp hacking rooms there are. God, so many. Most of this blimp is dedicated to hacking, it turns out. Hacking <laughs> in hospitals. blimp, yeah. Most of this blimp is like computer servers and giant empty hospital rooms. You know, you know, it's only the essentials. Maybe this isn't even Kaiba's blimp. Maybe he just bought it off some government auction. And this used to be like the airship equivalent of a hospital ship. That's why there's all these beds in there. The more I think about it, the more the more I feel like in this world, Kaiba doesn't buy things from government auctions. The government buys things from things Kaiba from auctions. Kaiba. He just happens to have all these uh, spare hospital beds on his blimp in case he duels people into submission like Grandpa. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just right. needs somewhere to store them. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. He, he sees that happen once and he's like, I guess that's what happened when people lose duels. Unlike me, I never lose duels. Because I'm powerful and the best, I'm the best duelist. Back to the duel. Back to the duel. Ishizu summons Kalbeck, uh, which kind of looks like Beta the Magnet Warrior's weird cousin. Yeah, it looks kind of like an ancient Egyptian claptrap from yes. Borderlands. It's just kind yes. of a inverted boxy. pyramid. Yeah, kind of a boxy inverted pyramid with a little eye on it. But, you know, it's fine. 
Kaiba Kaiba has a line here. What is I didn't write it down. What does he say? He says, uh, this is my tournament. If I lose, I'll be humiliated. <laughs> Which, well, like, yeah, dude. That's yeah, kinda... that's how tournaments work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Kaiba fully understood the ramifications of hosting a tournament and competing in that tournament simultaneously. Yeah, that's like putting on a Comic Con and then like also being part of it. It's, it's like... like yeah, it's well, it's like putting on Comic Con and having a booth at Artist Alley. Yeah, and then getting mad when people go to the other booths next to you. Right. Like, no, this is just this is the the game that, that, that you set up. This, this is what you wanted, buddy. <laughs> Supposedly, uh, Mogaba arrives for for moral support. I guess Kaiba uh, doesn't care. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he gives zero shits. Yeah, obviously he's like he only cares if the card is translated or not, and he tells Mokuba as such. Which, all right, fine priorities. Uh, Shizu says, "I predict that next you will draw Virus Cannon." And guess what happens next? <laughs> Kaiba's like, "You can't tell me what to do. Activate Virus Cannon." <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, I drew this last turn. <laughs> Uh, he plays it, uh, Ishizu plays a trap card called Muko, which is another new one. It just M- sends it Muko? to the great Muko. Muko? Mukau. <laughs> oh no! Wait, Ishizu wait. plays Mukau. Does Mukau look like anything cow related? No, uh, okay, if I Google Muko, the first thing that comes up is an official video for an artist named Oh, I'm going to get this so wrong. Is it Fick Famica? Famica? F-I-K-F-A-M-E-I-C-A. Muko. Um, and it appears to be in a language which I do not speak. Oh, interesting. Um, although the chorus does go perfect size, perfect choice, perfect place, perfect time. You know how we do it. Freshest. I'm not going to say that word. Around town. Muko. I just looked up this card, Muko. Okay, what is it? <laughs> tell me the uh, tell me the real Muko. <laughs> its other name that it goes by on the card out here is Null and Void. Oh. It's got like a guy who looks like a cultist in dark robes and he's lifting up his hand and he has some like like magical geometry on his hand, on his palm. Oh, okay. So and not cow related. <laughs> little no. little disappointing there, but that's all right. Uh, the actual card text is activate only when an effect of drawing cards is activated. Both players see the cards drawn by the effect and discard them all to the graveyard. Interesting. So this is not that. This is a card was drawn. Yeah. A lo- mo- all of everything Ishizu has been playing has completely different card text that you can't mm. do in the show. Yeah, it's almost like they wrote this before making the actual cards and then realized, wait wait. a second. (laughs) This is not balanced at all. This is maybe not great. Uh, So all that happens. And then Shizu says, have you accepted the power of my millennium necklace into your heart? (laughs) Have you also accepted the power of our Lord and Savior, Yami Yugi? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a moment to tell you? 
<laughs> to hear about the good news of my Millennium necklace. <laughs> the good news of the millennia- Millennium items and the Pharaoh who lives inside them. Forever and ever, amen. Uh, Yugi, sort of off on the side, still kind of lost in thought, predicts that Kaiba doesn't want to attack here because he's actually trying to summon Obelisk the Tormentor. Yeah, he doesn't have enough monsters yet, so his he suspects that Kaiba's plan is to sacrifice Ishizu's monsters instead. Right, exactly. Uh, they have this sort of moment where everyone kind of considers what's happening here. Yugi shouts to Kaiba. He's like, Kaiba, you're in over your head. Haven't you seen the mm-hmm. actual magic happening all around you? You need to accept that there's magic happening. Yeah, you can't you're... just keep doing what you've been doing. You, haven't you seen that like a good number of the people on this very blimp have been hurt by actual magic? <laughs> <laughs> Kaiba just basically ignores him though. Oh Which yeah, Kaiba funny. does not respond. <laughs> He's like fuck. He doesn't even say fuck you. No, he just he just he just uh, keeps going. His eyes narrow. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Ishizu summons Zorga. Zorga. Ugh. Zorga. <laughs> it just looks like some kind of millennium cultist. Yeah, it's kind of a, a nothing card for yeah. for Ishizu. Um. It kills Dark Gremlin with an attack called Cape of Destruction, which I believe is the new Stephen King novel. It's funny imagining an attack using a cape where you just like turn around really fast to smack them with it. <laughs> well, this Thursday on NBC's The Cape. <laughs> oh, there's a show we should watch. Did you ever, did you ever watch The Cape? No. I oh thought you were God. going to make a reference to The Masked Singer. No. <laughs> Although, I mean, hey, I could get I could get to the mass singer as well. Um, let me find this. Yeah, 2011. Uh 2010-2011 The Cape is an American superhero drama television series first shown on NBC uh as a mid-season replacement, a 2-hour pilot episode. Uh blah blah blah. Uh let's see. Oof, low ratings. This yeah, is in 2011 too. It only got 10 episodes. This is in 2011, and NBC announced that the series finale would be shown only on the network's website. Ouch. Yikes. Like, let nowadays, me... I could see that happening. But in 2011, oof. That's where you let shovel me... your garbage. <laughs> let me see if I can remember the plot of The Cape just from memory real quick. The Cape stars this... Uh, this uh, I don't know, this bland white guy, right? Uh, who is... A circus carny, I believe. What? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he is. I don't think he's a performer. I think he's like one of those like sideshow barkers, right? And through some twist of fate, he is given a magical cape that he uses as part of his act at first, as like sleight of hand tricks. But then he learns that he can whip it around like a weapon. And so he becomes this, like, masked vigilante called the Cape, who uses his cape to fight crime. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) It was, I I remember very vividly watching uh, the pilot with my family, and I remember all of us being like, oh, okay, (laughs) this isn't the worst thing on television. (laughs) 
Summer Glau is in this? Yeah, Summer Glau is in it. Keith David is in it. Um, I can't remember the main guy's name for some reason. <laughs> the cape. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it is. Let me see. The cape. Uh, oh, here's here's the summary. Vince Faraday. Oh, he's a cop. Vince Faraday is a cop. <laughs> That's how been... little this made an impression on you. You <laughs> forgot the entire part where he's a cop. <laughs> this Vince Faraday is a cop who's been framed for murder, leading him to fall off the grid and become the superhero known only as the Cape. Wow, was I wrong or was I wrong? Uh, yeah, starving, starring David Lyons, uh, Keith David, Summer Glau, um... Uh, Anil Kumar. What else has David Lyons been in? We do not have to go down this road. Um, David Lyons was in Revolution, Eat, Pray, Love, uh, Safe Haven, Record. Uh, or he directed Record, pardon me. Um, anyway, that's a very bad show about somebody who should not be accepting the existence of magic, suddenly accepting the existence of magic, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Kelbeck then has an opening. We're back to the duel now. Kelbeck <laughs> has an opening to attack Kaiba directly, so he does so. Uh, Kaiba's turn. He draws a card. Ishizu plays Muko again, so he discards that card. <laughs> Sucks, huh, doesn't it, Kaiba? <laughs> it's a great sequence. You can see Kaiba getting very disappointed. <laughs> He's getting very mad. Uh, and then we get a line from Mokuba that... Brother, use your secret weapon! It... What could gee, it possibly be? <laughs> what what could he be talking about? What secret weapon? It's not a secret if he's been announcing that he has it and that he wants to play it so bad, like, the entire time. It's like... Yeah, we know. We We get it. Mokuba, it's fine. We all know. We're all friends here. <laughs> Let it out. You can say it. I mean, they're not friends here. Some of well, these people here are very evil. We're all enemies. <laughs> and we're all enemies here. <laughs> we're all What's frenemies little, here. What are a few secret weapons between enemies? Uh, so, what does he do? Kaiba? Okay. He, he, he mentally prepares is the first thing that he does. Yeah. His plan is to use soul exchange which is a card that we've seen before which would let him sacrifice Ishizu's monsters instead of his own right yeah and then he would be able to do that enable in order that in order to summon obelisk the tormentor right so Ishizu was right again the entire time yeah the next thing that happens i need you to explain to me because i don't understand it Ishizu sees into the future to glean Kaiba's whole plan against her. She uses uh -huh. the power of the Millennium Necklace to have a vision. It's in, it's in like, it's not black and white, but it's like sepia toned for some reason. A little bit. Yeah, I don't really, that, uh, that makes no sense. That, that's fine for a flashback, but this is a flash forward? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a potential infinite future. Uh, she has a, her own long inner monologue describing what's about to happen. Um, her trap card that she has out on the field has already begun working. It is 
It works by hiding what she calls a biotic blaster inside one of her one of her own creatures, so that when that creature is sacrificed, it is transferred to the next creature that comes out. So, huh. when Kaiba takes her creatures and sacrifices them to bring out Obelisk the Tormentor, Obelisk the Tormentor will then have this basically five-finger death punch hidden inside him already. <laughs> so that when Obelisk okay. attacks, okay. when Obelisk attacks, he's basically just going to blow up. <laughs> And she has this vision of Kaiba like laughing maniacally and ordering Obelisk the Tormentor to attack. And then Obelisk just kind of crumbles into pieces behind him. <laughs> and it's actually kind of hilarious, like seeing Kaiba turn around in shock and then just start yelling as he sees Obelisk just explode into goop. It's actually a very satisfying scene to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's her big plan. Merrick okay. has a has an aside where he kind of approves of all this because he knows like yeah. what her powers are what her powers are up to. Yeah, he he's kind of living his best life here. He's like finally somebody else is doing the dirty work and like annoying <laughs> Kaiba for me. Yeah, someone else is it's, it's great to see Ishizu stringing someone else along just like she strung me along like she did all the time when we were kids. <laughs> He's like, like I, I know I my everyone now because I'm the asshole. <laughs> Finally, I know my sister is a huge pain in the ass, so it's good to see her doing it to other people. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, uh, she summons Agito, 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 which is like a Millennium Mister Potato Head. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's like this egg with like Millennium pieces kind of stuck into it sort of a millennium humpty dumpty (laughs) i like your note here that the uh her trap card is like using a sticky grenade on a grunt in halo that's exactly it that was kind of the only way that i could i could think to try and explain it because i was i was legitimately struggling to figure out wait a second when did she do any of this when did any of this happen but i guess she's been doing it the whole time yeah, I guess it's it's one of those things where it's like you're playing Halo. I've had a lot of like Halo nostalgia recently. I don't know why. Just the I first have two. I didn't care for the others. But, you know, in the first one, you've got like a bunch of guys coming at you and you get the grunts, you know, that come up first yeah, in a lot guys. of cases. And you throw a sticky grenade at them and it sticks Sticker and then the sticky grenades are the best. They're I so always good. went for the sticky grenades. They're so fun. And it sticks to them cuz it's a sticky grenade. And he realizes, oh no, I've been stuck. And, and the grunt like waves his arms around and goes running. And it's always, it's so satisfying when they just happen to run towards the like elites and jackals and whatever that are also coming your way. The big group so, of enemies who like see this coming at them and they're like, oh shit, wart, wart, wart. And then it's, they it's so all satisfying. Yeah. So that that's sort of the only way that I can figure out to to kind of explain what's happening here, but. Anyway, yeah, so she's she's hidden a bomb. Yeah, she's hidden a bomb inside her own monster so that it will get transferred to Obelisk. Someone set us up the bomb. <laughs> now that's a deep cut. <laughs> Make your time, gentlemen. <laughs> Take off every zig. Um, so Kaiba almost gets it. He almost gets that he's being played. He's like, is she expecting oh, me to yes. play Soul Exchange to bring out Obelisk the to- Tormentor? 
No, that's ridiculous. Magic doesn't exist. Anyway, I play Soul Exchange to bring out Obelisk the Tormentor. <laughs> no, no, you, you know what I love about this moment? He doesn't say, no, that's ridiculous. Magic doesn't exist. I mean, he's thinking that. Yes, yes, yes. But he says, uh, this could be me playing into a trap, but I really want to. <laughs> I really want to bring out Obelisk the Tormentor anyway. Give it to me. Give it. I Give want it. that Obelisk. YOLO. Where's my God card? <laughs> so <laughs> Kaiba summons his favorite muscle boy He's hit by a beam of Highlander light While laughing maniacally <laughs> He is It's just It's just a Highlander light <laughs> Yeah a beam of light shoots up to the clouds And there's a big vortex in the clouds You know standard anime shit And then like behind him Obelisk like rises out of the Blimp I guess I don't know mm, big, And he just kind of Beefy obelisk <laughs> Just a big strapped muscle boy uh, he's just there laughing maniacally. He's finally getting to live out his dream. It's it's all he's ever wanted. He has honestly. a great line. Oh boy, I can't wait to attack your life points. <laughs> he's just so excited. He's giddy. He's, he's giddy. giddy. He's so excited to attack your life points. He has a, he has sort of a longer piece of dialogue that he says after laughing some more. He says, "Counting on a piece of jewelry in order to win this duel is pathetic." To win a duel takes skill and an extremely powerful deck. You'll see that soon when I attack you with Obelisk the Tormentor and wipe out your life points. <laughs> I love that at every point in the in this show, they always just like explain shit we already know about how the game works. <laughs> and then I shall defeat you with the power of drawing this card, and then I will play this card that will give me the ultimate power of the text written on the card, and then your life points will go down, and when your life points go down, you will lose. Because <laughs> that is how duels work. Because that is how duels work. <laughs> I feel uh, like... Yeah. I, I, I know that they do that because it's a weekly television show, and like you have to account for people have not having seen all the episodes and that it's a show for kids who can't remember anything yeah yeah true it, it does make me wonder like now that we're in an age of streaming shows how are people gonna handle this like could you make a version of of Yu-Gi-Oh now where the intro to every episode like part of the theme music is here are the rules to the game Huh, that would be an interesting way of doing it. Beyblade does that because there's <laughs> one rule to Beyblade. Let, Let it rip. rip. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make me wonder, or could you, could you have like a Netflix original series where it is a super complex card game, but under trailers and more, there is a uh, now here are the rules sort of five minute intro video. Just That's in case you ever need to return work. to that on streaming services because netflix has been doing those like choose your own adventure type shows they yeah, can totally have a separate right. page that just has like the actual rules for those who want to follow it along at home you could have you could have like a choose your own adventure type show but it would be you would be choosing how they play the card game oh fuck there it is that's how they do it all That'd these be like, amazing I mean, obviously, it would be, like, one of two different endings. You lose or you win. But, like, sure. the middle part would have all the different, like, card combinations. Man, and that would be a pain of an ass for them to code. A pain um, of an ass? 
pain in the ass. <laughs> it would be a pain in the ass for them to code. I'm sorry, I made fun of you there. Um, yeah, it would be it would be a huge undertaking. But in a show like Yu-Gi-Oh, that could be really interesting because the other thing that you get is like the internal monologues that are happening and the the character revelations through playing the cards and like what it says about Kaiba that he knew it was a trap, but he went in anyway. You yeah, could have you, you would have like you the player choosing whatever you want for your own reasons but then right. they would have to like write why the character in the show is doing that from their perspective right exactly damn that would All actually right. be pretty good netflix if you're listening do we can be us. available yeah <laughs> we can we can make this happen uh so kaiba has that whole monologue as shizu goes okay zoomer whatever like (laughs) fine whatever teenager (laughs) uh yu continues to be lost in thought trying to figure out if it's possible that ishizu could have been wrong like he doesn't really see how she can get out of this ishizu has another inner long monologue about how her trap card already infected obelisk primed to self-destruct when he attacks they keep showing shots of obelisk and he has this like parasite ball inside his chest mm-hmm. it's like throbbing it looks like a um not a not a coconut but a a cantaloupe it does kind of look like a cantaloupe <laughs> he looks yeah. like he's got a cantaloupe bomb in his chest I, the shots to me felt very uh uh neon genesis uh, evangelion because it's just like you have this sort of robot looking thing and then a very like uh um what's the word organic yeah organic Fleshy. sort of core that's pulsing and it's ugh, ugh, it's gross but i did kind of expect like somebody in a jumpsuit to pop out i don't know <laughs> uh kaiba uh, kaiba would 100 percent build a giant robot version of obelisk the tormentor to fly around in oh absolutely Absolutely. I mean, he already has the blue eyes, white jet, which is right. extra enough. It's, this is the logical next step. We're one step away. Absolutely. Uh, what does he do next? He is this when Obelisk attacks? Yeah, he finally has. He finally attacks us after all this time. So Obelisk attacks and is like powering up to fire his lasers or punch or whatever <laughs> his, it is. His fist lasers. <laughs> <laughs> pew pew. Um, suddenly. To everyone's surprise, especially his own, Merrick's Millennium Rod starts glowing. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah. It. It. And well, glowing is like an understatement. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. It's like shooting beams of light everywhere. Yeah. Um, Look at my disco rod. <laughs> Want to take a is ride on your disco Lady- stick? <laughs> I was gonna say, is this what Lady Gaga meant? <laughs> this beat is sick. I want to take a ride on your disco stick. Uh, yeah, she was talking about the Millennium Rod. And of course, Lady Gaga has a Millennium Item. Look at her. <laughs> of course, Lady Gaga has all the Millennium Items, for all we know. Um, uh, yeah, okay, go on. I'm sorry, I I can't get over the... the you said Disco Stick twice on our podcast. <laughs> uh, so the Millennium Rod is firing its own lasers. Uh, Kaiba gets glamoured by the Millennium Rod. He does. He stands transfixed, kind of unmoving, just kind of standing there and shaking. And he has, he starts to have this vision and he like, everything around him kind of fades away and he's in this like 
starry expanse with like it's a kind of end of 2001 a space odyssey with this like mm-hmm. little rainbow lights flying by him yeah uh, exactly and he right. has a vision of the ancient stone tablets approaching him and he's suddenly like <laughs> reflected in his eyes just he all says, the different pieces of the ancient like millennium tablets and all the like the the one that we saw at the beginning of the season like a freaking year ago that has yeah, him oh, and kaiba him kaiba and um and, like yami yugi and like the blue eyes white dragon and all the gods mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the big one and the dark magician and the dark magician he says i feel something strange inside <laughs> is it love no. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, and my suddenly, God, it's full of dual monsters. <laughs> my God, it's full of dual monsters. Uh, he... Well, yeah, okay. No, go on. Go on. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, suddenly he sees another vision that's the stone, the actual giant stone tablet holding blue eyes white dragon in some kind of like ruined temple. And in front of it, there is kneeled a hooded Egyptian-looking figure. Uh, we can't see their face, uh, but their their head dress like a yeah. They have like a not a cloak, ancient, but it's like a a hood. They have the stereotypical ancient Egyptian affectations. Yeah, that we've seen before on yes. the carving of Kaiba, ancient Kaiba, and he is kneeling in front of this blue eyes white dragon tablet holding what looks like an unconscious blonde-haired woman. Right. Dun-dun-dun. So he's tripping balls. I genuinely don't know who that unconscious blonde-haired woman is. I don't know either. Are we supposed to know? I don't think so, because she's also hidden from view. I think we're supposed to know that that's ancient Kaiba. Yeah, it's very clearly like his own body type and everything. Right. But I don't and know they, everyone's is. been saying like, "Oh, Kaiba needs to like get in touch with his like ancient past or whatever." This is clearly what's going on. Yeah, this is. No, it's not. I did it. There's no hints yet as to who that could be. Gotcha. Uh, Merrick is extremely mad that someone else is controlling his Millennium Rod. <laughs> he doesn't want other people touching his rod. <laughs> I mean, again, it's all about consent. <laughs> it's really. all about like, consent. Uh, Kaiba I doesn't stress that enough. Yeah. Kaiba has multiple flashing visions uh, as though his blue eyes is calling to him. Even though it's against his whole strategy, he gets the impression that his blue eyes white dragon card wants him to play it instead of Obelisk the Tormentor. And so he looks down at his hand and he's apparently had one of his blue eyes white dragons in there the whole time. Right. And just, you know, just casually. Yeah, just out of out. nowhere. We didn't see it in the last shot. No, it's never been brought up. Uh, is this the heart of the cards? Is this the heart of the cards? It's definitely some magic bullshit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, like, is it is it actually the blue eye white? I, blah, 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 blah. Is it actually that we just haven't seen the blue eyes white dragon, or did it? Was it not there previously? That is a great question. I don't know. Is I wasn't this, paying good enough attention. Is there is this magic like manifesting it in his hand when it wasn't there before? Which I don't is know. Cheating. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It, doesn't. it honestly doesn't. Uh, so what he does 
is instead of Obelisk destroying Ishizu and, well, trying to destroy Ishizu and then exploding, mm-hmm. like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, <laughs> Kaiba plays... I thought of something that could never hurt us. <laughs> Obelisk, the Tormentor, could never hurt us. <laughs> he loves us. Uh, Kaiba plays Silent Doom. Which uh, lets him summon a card from his graveyard, which he does to summon Gadget Soldier, which is just a guy with a, a rocket launcher, it looks like. Cool. Some yeah, kinda... that counts as a gadget. Awesome. <laughs> sure. Some kind of like uh, G.I. Joe looking motherfucker uh, who dies instantly because yelling that he won't be controlled, he sacrifices Gadget Soldier and Obelisk the Tormentor. Hear me now. I will not be controlled. I decide my future. Ishizu, Merrick, and everyone else, onlookers, are just completely shocked. Uh, I feel like Obelisk of Tormentor should count for more than one monster. You if it's would a god think. card. You no. would think. No. <laughs> it still no. counts as one monster. So in the rules of the card game, uh, he has to sacrifice Obelisk the Tormentor to bring out Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Ta-da! Uh, Kaiba mocks Ishizu, saying there's no such thing as destiny, and he summons Blue-Eyes White Dragon, who goes, Screonk, and, like, <laughs> appears behind him. It's, yeah, it's Blue, it's, you know him, you love him, it's Blue-Eyes White Dragon, here again to fuck shit up. <laughs> it's your boy, Blue-Eyes. Uh, even Merrick is shocked that this could happen. Ishizu sugge- uh, says that something must have awakened inside of Kaiba for this to happen. Because he was the ancient keeper of the blue eyes. Right. Yes, that's that's why there's that connection there. That's why he's on the tablet with blue eyes. He, in his ancient past self, I guess. He was the Pharaoh's of... dragon keeper? Yeah. Right? He, he keeps specifically... all the blue eyes out in the chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so there's a, a bond. There is a, a bond stronger than any romantic pairing. There, there's no, no bond more pure than that between a man and his dragon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Blue eyes, do you remember, do you remember that SNL skit where they had Lindsay Lohan playing Hermione? Maybe. Like, like hot Hermione. This was, does was ring like a bell, yes. Bit. And yeah. everybody kept making masturbation jokes, and one of them was uh, Hagrid saying he had to go tame the dragon. <laughs> I had not remembered that specific part, but don't know why that sticks out in my head. <laughs> that's just that's just how my brain works. Kaiba's a dragon tamer, for sure. Yep. Well, so you know. he orders Blue Eyes to attack, and Blue Eyes attacks Ishizu, and because he doesn't have a time bomb embedded in him, uh. He attacks her and she loses. Oh no! Bum, bum, bum. What? Who could have foreseen this? And she like smiles mysteriously as this happens. Ishizu, yeah, she's like super calm. Yeah, she thinks it's great. She says it was impressive. He was able to overcome the fate she saw. He says this was the line I was talking about. He says it was just his superior skills and intelligence that let him win. <laughs> It really is, he really is just like anime Elon Musk. Oh my god, yeah. 
Kaiba's lines, all of Kaiba's lines here, you could very easily say while making the jerk off motion. <laughs> it was just my superior skills and intelligence. <laughs> it's about it's about power and having good cards. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you go, Yugi has some stuff that he does here. You want to talk about that? Oh yeah, so Yugi is sort of uh, is contemplating all of this that just happened, and he figures that Merrick's Millennium Rod must have shown Kaiba something that changed his mind. And he he hopes, at least, that now he'll believe in destiny. And I, I don't I don't think there's a, a di- line of dialogue there uh, between the two of them, but very quickly Kaiba is like, no, I was just good at card games. Like, he has the line that you just said, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. It was, it was all just, it was... It was me. It was it was all this guy. Uh, but Ashiza Ashiza tells him that it was actually uh, that his past is the secret to uh, his power. She has a a weird kind of ending monologue here. Uh, she says that he gave her hope for changing her brother's future because uh, their duel taught her an important lesson about fate, which is what exactly? Yeah. Only but it can be changed i guess i don't know only magic can fight other magic right that's that's the part that i'm kind of struggling with because like her magic was the ability to see into the future the the future capital the capital the or a future a future yeah but she says that if she wants to save her brother she will need the power and friendship of people around her instead of just relying on fate to do the heavy lifting. And those people right. include Seto Kaiba. And Kaiba's Which like, is... yeah, whatever, bitch. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> next duel, move it along. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, he does. Uh, he starts walking away, and there's a very gay moment here that I want to talk about, where Kaiba passes by Yugi and pauses for a second. He says, he tells Yugi to start prepping for their duel now. And Yugi just says, I will. And Kaiba just kind of like smirks to himself. I ship it. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. And then he just keeps walking. And then you, we end. It's a frenemy ro- romance. <laughs> the episode ends on that, but we also get a shot with the opposite energy, which is a <laughs> shot. It's a wide shot of Merrick as Ashizo and Kaiba are talking shot. about Merrick. And it's revealed that Merrick has been wearing cargo pants this whole time. <laughs> it looks like it. Yeah. This is a goofy shot of him, too. He looks kind of stoned, honestly. He's just kind of chilling. He's just leaning against a wall that is not there. (laughs) He's leaning against a wall that is not there. He's holding his millennium rod. He's just kind of gazing off. He's not even looking anywhere in particular. He's just kind of staring off into space. Mm -hmm. Like, judging from where his eyes are, he's kind of looking upwards through his own bangs. Which are very long and spiky. They're yeah, they're lustrous. You know, <laughs> got to check them out. But that's the end of the episode. Two very different feels happening. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what was your favorite part of this episode? My favorite part of this episode was uh, Kaiba sacrificing Obelisk, the Tormentor, the one card he's been wanting to use forever, just in order to use Blue Eyes White Dragon, his favorite card is extremely on brand for him and it's also mm-hmm. uh, a smart move. That was that was a good duel. It was, it was a unexpected. Good duel. Yeah. 
He's like, fine, I love this card so much, but this card is my favorite. And I'm going to beat you with this one instead. <laughs> because it came to me in a vision. But if I don't want to talk about that. It wasn't magic. Shut up. You just got to let it go, you know? If you love something, let it crush your enemies for you. <laughs> right, right. That's uh, that's Sun Tzu, right? That's uh, that's in the Art of War? <laughs> yeah. What was your best? Uh, mine was similar. Mine was just Kaiba's raw commitment to the bit that there is no magic ever at all, period, bar none. No magic, no sir, no siri Bob. Uh, he just happens to be very good at card games. Even though he was just like, blasted in the face by this magical artifact and then had like a cosmic connection to one of his cards that was like Mm -hmm. put me in coach i can do it (laughs) yeah no he's still just like yeah it was my uh it was my instinct Mm -hmm. yeah that's all me that was that's just what skill feels like (laughs) but you manifest your cards talking to you I love that that a part of this commitment to the bit is that he's also blind to the fact that he is surrounding himself with people who do desperately believe in magic, and he's not concerned by that. He is like, he is completely surrounded by people who not only believe in magic, but actively use magic on a regular basis. And he is just so sure of himself and his atheism regards to magic that he like, refuses to acknowledge them. Could you imagine being at like a Magic the Gathering tournament, right, in real life, and you 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 sit down and you realize as you start playing the game that everyone else in this room is slowly chanting in Latin and like lighting candles and putting cloaks on? Would you not feel uncomfortable? <laughs> I'd feel a little weird. Even if you're the best duelist in the room, you look would across you not question whether or not you should be there. You look over to the other tables and like one guy is using telekinesis to shuffle his deck and another guy like points at his opponent and like a bolt of lightning comes out of nowhere and sends the guy flying across the room. And you're like, yep, that's Magic the Gathering for you. <laughs> good thing I'm the best at card games. <laughs> good thing I'm so good at card games. Nothing else could possibly go wrong. Uh, how about your worst? My worst is something I feel like we need to talk about here that I wanted to talk about near the end of the episode here, but I put off. This, it involves like the concept of fate here, and the only way to change your magic fate is for more magic fate to happen? Yes. Because we're meant to kind of... I think we're kind of meant to believe that Kaiba was able to overcome fate through his own sheer will and determination, but he totally didn't. He got a flashlight in the face from the Millennium Rod, which was able to overcome fate. And that's just more magic being used to combat magic. That's... Kaiba was, like, barely present for it. Yeah, I think this is just, like, the fourth law of thermodynamics happening. Yeah. An he, object in magic stays in magic until... <laughs> he wasn't something, able something, to... Something. He wasn't able to change his own fate at all. He was just influenced by his own magical past and yet another magical item. Yeah. He just happened to be there. So I don't know what the purpose of him, like, bucking fate even was, because he's just trading one magic thing for another magic thing. Yeah. I I I got no answers for you, but that's, that's my <laughs> question like, too. <laughs> are we meant to believe that like 
fate is immutable because it's just more magic. I mean, that seems to be a she's approach, right? She's like fate is fate. Destiny is destiny. It's unchanging. And like, she learned a little lesson here of like, well, maybe it's not set in stone or it is set in stone for most people. Unless you have your hands on some kind of magical razzle-dazzle that's powerful enough for you to shift the the flow of time or whatever. Choose another path. I see. I see. So it is sort of a a gifted child syndrome. Everyone else is locked into the humdrum of normal life, but you, Seto Kaiba, are special. You, Seto Kaiba, are special because you have this ancient magical lineage that you're like reincarnated or whatever. And because of that, you're the only person who's able to change anything. But people like Taya and Tristan can't do shit about it. Only Yugi could, potentially. I guess. But would Yugi want to? Would Yugi want to? I don't know. I don't know. This is raising more metaphysical questions than I think we have the capacity to answer so far. Yeah, I feel like we're finally getting to the part of Yu-Gi-Oh that I'm not qualified to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was your worst? My worst was simple. I don't think Ishizu needed future sight powers here. (laughs) I think think anybody in that blimp could have called from a mile off. All right, this fucker's going to play Obelisk the Tormentor. He's been talking about it for six weeks. Uh, and uh, yeah. let's see what things can beat Obelisk the Tormentor. Oh, I know a hidden bomb, maybe just like plant a grenade in that dude and call it call it a day. <laughs> call it a day. Yeah, let's see. He can't summon any more monsters. I guess the only thing he would have to do is sacrifice your monsters instead. Instead, gain control of them, bring them out that way. I mean, Yugi calls that one from from across the field Taya is the one that realizes he still has obelisk in his hand like yeah. it's not all these like take magical powers to, all these to non, do this these muggles are picking up on this because kaiba has just been announcing it through a bullhorn the entire time what his plan is going to be and she's just like "Ooh, i will use my special mind powers to figure out what he's going to do <laughs> what could it possibly be i shall glean the secrets from the future and kaiba's like i'm going to bring out obelisk the tormentor did you, did you catch that <laughs> here's my neon sign with the list of cards i want to play it's one card he has like uh, a scrolling yeah. s- scrolling like lights on the side of his blimp spelling out i want to play obelisk the tormentor <laughs> It, it's just. It was it, unnecessary. It was very silly for this particular duel. It, well, and it's the same reason. Like at the beginning of the episode, you said that the recap of last episode is really all you needed to watch. It's because most of the last episode was Ishizu being like, "And now this thing's going to happen," and then the thing happens. Yeah, it would have been interesting if Kaiba had like picked up that magic is real and like tried to subvert it in some way, but he just flat out refused to believe in magic and so did everything anyway or even if and here's here's my pitch right for rewriting this episode still do a two-parter episode one uh, of this two-parter is entirely narrated by ashizu her voiceover over the entire thing as she narrates everything that happens in the duel up until the point where kaiba plays and begins his attack with obelisk the tormentor all right and then Mm -hmm. the episode ends on a fade out of obelisk the tormentor getting ready to attack 
episode two, we get a recap of all of that, pick up with Obelisk the Tormentor starting his attack, and then the light from Merrick. And, and then it's from Kaiba's perspective? Then it's from Kaiba's perspective through the whole duel again. That would be much more interesting than I think these writers had time to mess around with. Probably, yeah. That but would... I just don't think any of the any of the future site did anything for this episode. No, it was it 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 really didn't. If she had gone up against like literally anyone else, I feel like especially if she had gone up against Joey, because Joey would have the audacity to try and change fate by like not looking at his cards. Or, like, trying to outwit her in some way. Yeah. But going up against Kaiba, it just... There was nothing there. Because he refused to believe that there could be anything else. Exactly. Uh, where do you want to put this on our on our graph? Our XY chart of, of plot relevance and card mechanics? That's a great question, but because the card game me- mechanics... It's kind of saved the day, but it's only because just like taking the card game mechanics as themselves, it was a pretty solid episode. Sacrificing Obelisk just in case there was a bomb hidden in it to bring out Blue Eyes White Dragon. It's a pretty solid move. Yeah. The fact that he was influenced to do that by magic is kind of... The magic itself didn't really like change physically anything that was going on in the duel. No, I suppose not. But it was bullshit. It was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that makes this like, what, like a minus one? I don't know. I feel like this is in the card game mechanics favor because there was there wasn't anything particularly bullshit about the what happened in the game. Okay. I'd say so, I'd give it a pretty good rating, at least like a three. I feel comfortable with a three. I don't want to give it too high because I do feel like you need to take points away for it being magical bullshit at some point in there. That's fair. Okay. Uh, how about plot relevance? Uh, great question. Because <laughs> we kind of knew what was about to happen. I'm going to say this is like a this is like a zero. Because yeah. you kind of, it doesn't give you anything new. It doesn't give you anything new. There's no like bringing the story forward besides a little bit at the end where uh, what Ishizu foresaw changes. Right. And that's new. But even that doesn't actually change anything. <laughs> no, that doesn't really change anything either. She's happy with it. Yeah. And yeah, zero is fine. All right. So we got we got ourselves a three zero, <laughs> a, a, a right middler. All right. Not to confuse with bet middler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and now we move on, uh, to the next part of our show. And I do have to apologize. My dear partner, Lauren, I texted her about 20 minutes ago saying, Hey, we'll be ready for you in about five minutes. Oh, hi Lauren. Hi. Yeah. He always does this. And usually I wait longer. Usually he says like five minutes and I wait 15 minutes and then I come in, but I didn't do that this time. So I've just been sat here. I always underestimate how long it takes us to do that last bit of the, of the episode recap. And so I'm, I'm very sorry, but Lauren is here Hi, Lauren. Uh, to play Hi, a Demi. little game that we play every week called Yu-Gi-Oh! Or not. Yu-Gi-Oh! Not. Maybe we shouldn't, though, after last week. 
I don't know. This one, this one, (laughs) Tyler, you might get stumped knowing Lauren. I might. I might. Well, see, now you say that, but like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to jinx it. Sorry. Now I'm, now I'm shook. My, I've got the yips now. (laughs) After last week, I accidentally gave Lauren the yips with uh, last week's episode, which was Yu-Gi-Oh cards or songs by the band Queen. Um, and we discovered a deep-seated anxiety, which is uh, obscure music knowledge, which I definitely do not have, uh, but I'm, feel very anxious about not having. Well, this I'm is some knowledge you might have. This is some knowledge that I thought you might have, you but I, I wanted to make it barely obscure enough that there's still a chance you might get one wrong. Uh, this week on the show, we brought you into the studio to guess whether something is a Yu-Gi-Oh card or a chapter title from the book Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. See, yes, I, okay, so I should have this knowledge. You're right, I should, because I reread the Harry Potter series probably once every other year. And that doesn't um, mean that you remember the chapter titles necessarily. No, it but doesn't, you know the, it doesn't. You know the timber and the tone of them. Well, hopefully. The cadence, if you will. Hopefully. I mean, except that 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 it's so much pressure. And having said that, if I do horribly, okay, it'll just be I'll be ashamed and sad. Here's the thing: of myself if, as a person and a human being. If there is anyone listening to this podcast who takes pride in the fact that they have memorized all of the chapter titles from the Harry Potter books, I I feel like you need to be doing something more productive with your life than listening to a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. Like, Fair. <laughs> this is for fun. Yeah. <laughs> there um, are zero stakes here. I will say Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is probably my second favorite Harry Potter book. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's up there. It's a good one. I really like it. Because I didn't want to pick the first one, and I didn't want to pick the yeah. last one. So I was just like, well, let me just grab from the middle there. I haven't read mm. most of them. That's true. What? It, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Jimmy, we've talked about this. It I continues to be a sticking point in our relationship. I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter as a kid. It was like a big deal, right? Because yeah. I grew up, you know, churchy. <laughs> uh, I received Harry Potter as a Christmas gift once and had to return it, <laughs> which sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did not read uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, if you're here, uh, until I was... 2021 maybe and then i read the second one and then i lost interest and he has only recently seen all the movies because i made him no i've seen right i'd seen all the movies you had seen all the movies i I ended up watching the movies because you can sit through a a two-hour movie and it's whatever yeah the movies are fine there's some that i really like I would encourage you to read the rest of the series because I, I yeah, it's the way first better. two are definitely more leaning towards kids' books because they were for kids of Harry's age, right? But then they get more and more thematically uh, adult as times go on. Okay, they're very. I'll say I, this: they're they're enjoyable and fun to read. Okay. I, I'll, I'll, sure, I'll give it another go. Um, Stephen Fry reads them. Oh, yeah, you can listen yeah, to them. Yeah, he, he narrates them. You could listen to them. He does that, good voices. That I could do. That I he could does do. do. He does great voices for them. That would be nice. I Part of it, too, for me is, like, 
growing up being the same age as Harry Potter as like the books are coming out and being like a white kid with brown hair. Everyone's like, oh, you look just like Harry Potter. Ha-ha. With glasses. Harry has black hair. Whatever. I don't know. Everyone says that it looks like Harry Potter. <laughs> when I Tyler I, actually didn't get glasses until he was like 20, In college, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when I was, uh, so in high school, I did a mission trip to Hong Kong and everyone there like wanted my autograph because I thought I was Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> you don't really look that much like I Daniel don't. Radcliffe. I don't. Though, and you're way taller than he is. I'm, I'm just saying what happened. I'm not saying that I actually have any resemblance, <laughs> but that made it a weird thing to be like, okay, fine. I'll go read Harry Potter now that I'm sick of being called Harry Potter. <laughs> So that I would, haven't read all the books. That would color that your is experience my shame. for sure. That yeah. is that is my secret shame that we now all know. I was obsessed with Harry Potter growing up, and I mean that hasn't really changed. Let's this is be why honest. she's dating me because I do look like oh, Harry Potter. It turns don't. out you don't. <laughs> we get my own Daniel Radcliffe. <clears throat> growing up, I had a crush on Ron, not Harry. Really? Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's Ron's right. a good guy. Ron seems fine. Yeah, but they. I'm sorry. They cast a. A bad actor for him. Oh, I, I like, like Rupert Grint. I didn't like Rupert Grint as Ron. I like anyway. Watson. Welcome to <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> though? Who doesn't? Uh, welcome to um, you activated my wand. <laughs> my Harry Potter fan cast. Okay. Um, I don't know. Anyway, All right, let's play this. So, game. Uh, this game, I have six items here that are uh, three of them are Yu Gi Oh cards, three of them are chapter titles from Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, and it is your job to determine which is which. Are you ready? I guess. Um, Shall I read the cards? Yeah. Card number one Ring of Defense. Ring of Defense. Card number two The Secret Riddle. The secret riddle. Card number three, unity. Unity. Card number four, an excess of phlegm. An excess of phlegm. Card number five, question. Question. Card number six, will and won't. Will and won't. Those are your six cards or chapter titles. It's up to you now to tell me which is which. All right, you haven't picked any nonsense words, so that makes it difficult right off the bat. Because if there's a nonsense word, it's usually a Yu-Gi-Oh card. That's very true. true. So well done, trying to trick me there. I, I'm doing my best. I feel like I feel like last week's will have just ruined all ability to play this game for me. Like I feel like I'm just gonna keep scoring zero. Oh no! From now on. And it's well, you just got to get back up on that Yu-Gi-Oh horse. <laughs> uh, Yu-Gi-Oh horse. You, the, 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 the horse skio. Okay. I think the secret riddle is a chapter title. Okay. Secret riddle. Secret riddle. I think an excess of phlegm is also a chapter title. Okay. And I think Will and Won't is a chapter title. Oh, All right. God. Very determined. I don't know. And that so, would mean Ring of Defense, 
unity and question are all Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I don't know. Like, I... Ugh. You have to stop picking things I purportedly care about because I just oh, no. feel like an idiot now. Oh, no. Okay, well, let's let's see how you I'll did. I have to make one that's just completely random bullshit. I'll do more yeah, Metroid we'll to... characters. There we go. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. Because <laughs> I don't feel so bad when I score like <laughs> two on a thing that I don't care about. Fair, fair. Okay, I'm sorry. I was I was trying to do something that you would know. Don't mean to make you feel bad. But let's see how you did. Let's see how you did. You said... Ring of Defense was a Yu-Gi-Oh card. I did. It is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Right. That's one point. Hey. You said the secret riddle was a chapter title from Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And it is. Okay. You said Unity was a Yu-Gi-Oh card. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> you said an excess of phlegm is a chapter title. It is a chapter okay, title. All right. I did actually recognize that one. Yeah. Question that's the one is I was a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Will and won't is a chapter title. Lauren, really? you scored a perfect oh game. Oh my god, a, a perfect game. <laughs> a real roller coaster, Got guys. <laughs> As uh. expected. Okay, I I feel better about myself. <laughs> you did it. You did it. You did is. it. Wow. Uh, thing you gotta know is that I'm very. I don't know. I don't know. My my self-worth is very fragile and associated with the things that I know, which is a horrible way to be. I feel like I feel um, like I've fucked up the last few questions. <laughs> I think is what we're learning here. No. I think I've done bad. No, I'm putting too much. <laughs> it's just the way some people are where you're like, oh, you're a real Harry Potter fan. Why don't you name yeah. six chapter titles? Yeah, why don't you name the all the chapter titles yes. in order of the yes. third book or the whatever and you're just like Which ruins yeah. basically every fandom. See, I yeah. I got that, I I I had that sort of uh, uh, instinct, right? Were to you be, that person? I well, up? I I was both that person and I was targeted by those people, but it was all specifically Bible related. It was <coughs> like, oh, you think you're a real Christian? Sorry, Christians out there, I know a lot of you are great, but my community was, <laughs> oh, you think you're a real Christian? Uh, recite all of Romans now. Go. And you like weren't a real Christian unless you could do that. Unless so, like, you like, I would learn like Bible, Bible verses, verses forward like... and backwards, and like actually recite parts of the Bible in reverse just to be extra impressive. And like, no, I totally get it really... because so much of like being a quote unquote good Christian, especially when you're young and going to like Awana or something, is how well right. you like memorize these sentences taken out of context of the rest of the book they're in. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's and there's so many things now that's like, what am I going to do with this knowledge? Like, <laughs> why do I have these words still rattling around in my head? And it's like now as an atheist, I'm like, well, fuck it. I don't need to know anything. <laughs> I do a show about Yu-Gi-Oh. What, what do I know? Well, if you ever like run a D&D campaign or like make your own fictional universe, you can always pepper it full of like biblical illusions. And, I and it'll like elevate it to like high art in that way. And it did. Every like yeah, what was... English teacher is going to be like absolutely out of their mind reading it. What did I? What was that one game that we ran? Yeah, where... we had to steal. So England is kind of a weird place to be because um, if you're into like history and um, built societal history, which I am. Because it started out as Catholic, right? For well, not started out, but for a very long time, it was Catholic. And in the then, beginning, 
it all switched to Church of England, mm-hmm. uh, which is Catholic but with divorce. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, yeah. So New they Catholic. still have like saints and stuff, and they still use Catholic cathedrals with all the iconography, and they still use all the symbolism and everything. But then they're like, "But but hold up, we're not actually Catholic though." Catholic, uh, Catholic zero. This is so, my church now. <laughs> Durham, where we used to live, is like. A huge cathedral town the cathedral has been there for um nearly a thousand years now uh and so tyler designed a oh and um it's really interesting the um the saint whose shrine it is because it's a well initially catholic and now c of e shrine to saint cuthbert uh he's buried with someone else's head and they think that it's the king of northumbria king oswald but of course nobody's ever like tested this because the last this is time the second time in two days where up. we have talked have had a conversation where someone is buried with the wrong head <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well well this is my knowledge base ask me about severed heads and Yu-Gi-Oh cards and 100 percent every time um but so they think it's the king of northumbria so tyler ran a D campaign with a bunch of friends of ours who lived in durham with us and uh, to go rescue the mythical sword of King Oswald, King of Northumbria, from a church in Durham. So, if you go to uh, Sandwich Shot Computer and look at my blog, there's a post uh, titled uh, Wait, do you "Making have My Own Number Station." Uh, kind of. So, so one of the things that I did there was I hid clues to. It was like a scavenger hunt, basically, but the, all of the clues were hidden in a fake numbers station that I made. He made a notebook, like a coded notebook that we had to decipher. Oh, that's and it fun. Had, it, it had was real, the, like he, No, he had like an actual notebook. It wasn't just like, It was like a oh, physical a notebook that I, he, that I handed the players. He bought a notebook and wrote in it. And, and it had that's the, dedication. It had, the, it had <laughs> uh, let's see, there were four different keys uh, that were all like numbers that were, I'm trying to remember how this went. If you took the numbers that the number station was reading and subtracted them from the numbers that were already written in the notebook, you would get a resulting number that matched up with a key that aligned the number with the letter in the alphabet. And that spelled out a Bible verse, and the Bible verse would be a clue about the next thing they had to get. So I had a, I had a, so I had a website pulled up. There were all these different like number station, like radio stations. And I handed an iPad to one of the players with headphones. And so she was listening to these number stations, like filling in the things as like the party's hacker character was, was, was her, her character. Uh, while on the phone with everybody else being like, okay, now go here. And then everyone else would go and like fight a thing. And then she would keep like deciphering. So it had like a bunch of mixed like Catholic iconography and Bible verses. But that's not actually the game that I was trivia. thinking about. I was thinking about the one that we did with um, Morgan and and uh, Aaron, uh, where your character was a fallen paladin, where all of the names of the paladins and clerics were actually taken from their book of scripture, which was. Uh, one poem, one continuous poem. Oh yeah, that was being we like wrote a, a poem years. for him too. And it's it's different verses from this continuous like saga poem. Oh, he are was actually a cool what character. they use as their christened names. Um, he was a really cool was character. A good character. We should find that. 
Anyway, yeah. I'm unbearable. Um, <laughs> Man, I miss D&D. D&D is, is, well, D&D is fine. Yeah. Role-playing games are great. Yeah. Do we want to talk a little bit more about Yu-Gi-Oh! before we end the show? <laughs> I think we just spent about half an hour on that. Yeah. Oh, I was also going to say, because you were talking about the Bible gatekeeping thing. Yes. Um, Bible is the only class in my life I've ever failed. Woo. High five. <laughs> so if you have that's we, who i am i don't want to take us on another tangent but we have we ever mentioned agents of dipshit on here <laughs> no we haven't we can talk about agents of dipshit for a second i miss agents of dipshit <laughs> so where do we start agents of dipshit monster of the week. was a monster of the week game that you ran um and lauren and lauren, I, lauren ran lauren ran well you I both ran, ran it, it yeah. at different times that's true. Yeah, that's true. You can sub in and out. Starting starting at the beginning, Lauren Lauren ran a game of Monster of the Week, which is a very good game. And if you're interested in role playing games and you like those like uh, Monster of the Week shows, like Supernatural or Buffy, well worth the money. It's hands X-Files. down my favorite role playing game because it's I I prefer it to D and D even because it's just it's all about the role playing and you can just get into it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. Uh, we were char- our characters were like monster hunters, and my character was named Deke, and who was like a completely <laughs> paranoid, like prepper type character living in a bunker who was obsessed with Sasquatches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were like uh, you were like Dirty Fox Mulder. Yeah, what was my character's last name? Do you remember Deke? Uh, Deke Dixon. Did he have a last name? I don't remember. It was. It was. I feel like it was another D something. It was. It was alliterative. Your character was the ghost of a K-pop star who died while (laughs) uh, vaping while on a hoverboard. (laughs) Yes. Well. So. So. uh, My character's name was Donnie Specter, not Danny Phantom. Oh yeah. My own original character. Tm. 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 Donnie Donnie <laughs> Spector, the ghost of a K-pop star who died in a horrific vaping slash uh, Samsung Note Seven <laughs> slash hoverboard accident. I forgot about Samsung Note Sevens. Um, who had uh, a ghost replica of Cloud Strife's Buster Sword as his weapon? I forgot about yeah. that. Um. Yeah, that what was a great uh, game. That was strange. And then they formed the Agents of Dipshit, which was like their cover organization that they right. to like infiltrate different yeah, places. Yeah, Dipshit was an it acronym stood for something. that stood for yes, yes. Di- no, no, I remember it. So, I the the reason <laughs> that we came up with Agents of Dipshit was because uh the first sort of mission that Lauren had us go on was investigating this like death at a college campus. And we were we went to the college and we were like interviewing people. And the first person we interviewed was like, who do you work for exactly? (laughs) Why are you here? And we were like, oh, yeah, we're part of the. um." And then together, Jimmy, you and I spent like 20 minutes coming up with this. Uh, The Department of Internal and Public Safety and Health Inspection Team. That was what dipshit stood for. Dipshit. And we just hope that no one would like try and like write it out because they'd be like, "Hey, wait a minute." 
Yeah, you couldn't have like badges or insignia or anything. <laughs> it's like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but <laughs> uh, once I realized that you were trying to get it to spell out dipshit, I was 100% on board. <laughs> Uh, and then, then I ran a game that oh, was. Oh, you failed flashback. to mention that you fought uh, robot monkeys. Oh, that's right, oh, yeah. robot monkeys that escaped into the past. Yep. Oh yeah, escaped into Deke's past specifically. Oh, yeah. Into like the and we shed never behind up my house. house because because anybody can roll magic in um in Monster of the Week. You don't have to be like a spellcaster, but you're more likely to fuck it up if you're not a spellcaster, and so. Deke kept trying to cast spells and every single one he would fail. And so at the last one, he was like, I'm going to cast big magic, which is one of the things that you can do. Uh, and I was like, well, okay, if you're sure, but like big magic will fuck everything up if you get it wrong. And he failed again and it <laughs> I opened a, up his childhood. I past. made a time paradox. Whoops. Whoopsie <laughs> yeah. doodle. Sometimes that just happens though. You know, uh, can't win a wall. And then, we ran a, a flashback game. Like I, I ran it, and it was Deke and I don't remember my character. Sunshine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, Sunsh- it was Sunshine wasn't as it? like Deke's mentor or something. Yeah. Um, and he had a cool base. You fought and subdued Guy Fieri flavor vampire. That's right. Yeah, he was draining like the local uh, greasy spoon of its flavor. <laughs> That's right. I feel like we played one one other game that I'm trying to remember. One I other... definitely ran a yeah. second. Yeah, you one, were like half Sasquatch or something. Or if, were you a full oh, Sasquatch? Oh, that's yeah. right. I also played half man, half Sasquatch, uh, Frank Rossitano. Uh, definitely not the writer on Thirty Rock. <laughs> <laughs> what a good game! We that should, was a great game. you know, if we're looking for some bonus content, maybe we should just play some Monster of the Week. <laughs> That'd be fun. At least yeah, I want to play a game with you guys again. Agents of Dipshit. Yeah. Oh, we could do an Agents of Dipshit reunion tour. <laughs> dipshit around the world. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dipshit International. <laughs> Dipshits go to the UK. <laughs> I'm into it. We have to go I'm to Durham it. Cathedral and find some severed heads. <laughs> Love it. Two yep. angry ghosts are like attached to the wrong bodies. And so they keep walking into oh, stuff and they like contact us and ask us to sort this out. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and we are the angry ghosts. <laughs> that would also I'm be fun. I'm an angry ghost. I mean, aren't, aren't we all angry ghosts just inhabiting... Uh, meat husks. Bruh. They're all eventual ghosts. I have a shirt that says that. You do. I think I bought that one for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, do do we, we want to... Please, let's wrap get, up this episode about Yu-Gi-Oh! Get back on topic. <laughs> Aww. But I was enjoying it so much when we weren't talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we all do, uh, Lauren. These are the choices we all make in life. right. We now come to the final part of the episode. Every week on the show, we bring together two monsters that were on season two and make them fight to the death. It's time for the monster bracket. This week, in our quarterfinals, we have a weird, weird lineup. We have Jinzo versus Wormdrake. Two of your favorite looking monsters. 
I don't. I don't like the look of these boys. I will tell you. <laughs> they nasty. They they nasty. This is a bad eye episode mashup. Bad. I'm bad glad on the eyes. for for the audience's sake. I'm glad that this is an audio medium. Uh, Jinzo is a level six machine effect monster. Twenty four hundred attack, fifteen hundred defense. As you'll remember, when it's played, it destroys traps. Worm Drake is a uh, reptile monster. Fourteen hundred attack, fifteen hundred defense, and it's a worm that sings hotline bling <laughs> started yep. from the bottom now we here still at the bottom well no we're in the quarterfinals yeah he came pretty far anyway good job worm Drake. does one of you want to talk about jinzo so that i don't have to <laughs> sure jinzo looks like he doesn't belong in this card game or any card game Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Jinzo belongs in a horror movie. Jinzo belongs in a horror movie. Jinzo, I don't even know how they got clearance to like put him in this. The, you, this is this guy you would you never know... see in like Pokemon. Maybe you would see him in Magic, but he's just so fucked up to look at that it's amazing that not only is it a card in the game, it's a card that they animated and put in a kids' TV show. Do you know where you'd see this guy though? Huh. Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Yes. He yeah. looks like a Dragon Ball Z villain. Very much. Well, this looks like like Dra- Dragon Ball Z villains at least have like some well, some of the time have like a little bit of humanity to them. Jinzo is who the villain would be afraid of. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this Jinzo looks like Someone who used to be a powerful villain, and then they had like their soul removed by some machine, and is now just like an empty husk that is that still has all the powers that the he's like they Bane. He does look kind of like Bane. He is kind of like Bane. Kind of like Bane. You know, nobody cared who Jinzo was till he put on the mask. <laughs> he is wearing like a weird respirator mask. Though, yeah, too. good for you, okay. Jinzo. Practicing social distancing because he is so horrifying <laughs> that people stay away from you. <laughs> uh, okay, how about how about Worm Drake? We've talked about Worm Drake and Jinzo before. Worm Drake is still like mm. Worm Drake is definitely like a monster card. This is like yes, a monster. Uh, it looks like it would be almost like a sock puppet or something. You know, mm. this is like some monster that would appear in some like puppet show worm drake's face is still it's still really um mc escher esque to me like i can't tell which plane which of the elements of its face are meant to be on i think they're all in the same plane the eye is inside (sighs) the mouth yeah but it like it's still i don't know it just messes with my my three-dimensional space processing yeah, no it's it is strange because so the eye is coming out on a stalk out of the mouth sort of like uh the xenomorph mm-hmm. right but then the eyelid if you follow that line the eyelid is a very mechanical gold line that goes to a hinge that follows another gold line that goes na- now to the outside of the mouth but then loops back around and connects with the gums mm-hmm. that connect to the teeth that are on the top of the bottom of the eye. Well, and it looks like... The eye like, bone's so connected the... to the mouth bone. <laughs> mouth <laughs> bone's connected to the rest of the body bone. 
Well, and the red thing looks like an eye. Like it looks like it, it has does. two eyes, but the red eye is going in this direction and the eye coming out the mouth is going in this direction. But it also sort of looks to me like the eye stalk that's meant to be coming out of the mouth is actually coming from Worm Drake's right side. Oh, so you think oh, it's yes. coming out of like the side of the head yeah, and it just looks like head. it's doing this from this perspective. Let's see if I can find yeah. more pictures of Worm Drake. If but, you- then, but then the bottom spike... And the top spike look like they are supposed to meet at the tips, but then they don't look like they are actually on the on a plane, which would allow them to meet. Like it looks like mm-hmm. the bottom ones coming out this way, and the top ones coming out that. At way. sort of like forty five degree angles yeah, to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's very strange. The only way that I can think to describe it any differently than you just did is if you think of both the the cl- one thing that is clearly an eyeball, and then the red circle that may be an eyeball. If you look at both of those as eyes and you kind of look at it uh, uh, like that, it's definitely making this sound. (laughs) (laughs) Are we allowed to bring in outside information into our matchups here? You know, we're in the quarterfinals. I think we have to. Yeah. Uh, I found, just to make things a little easier on us here, I found a shot of Wormdrake from the anime. Okay. So you can see what this guy looks like from a different perspective. Now, Worm Drake appeared very briefly in the anime. This is... This is Strings card, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um. Oh, yeah, this okay. does give yeah, a, a does better it look. It's definitely... It's actually not even like an eye stock like I thought. This is actually looks like it's tongue. The tip of its tongue it's has an eyeball. It's kind of sandwormish, isn't it? It does. Like beetle juicy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I finally saw for the first time, by the way. Oh, yeah, I saw it a couple of years ago for the first time. Getting caught up on my cultural references. Um, oh, yes, this is Strings card because we see Revival Jam just to the right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of beetle juice? Oh, things... Things that I know. I loved beetle juice. It was, it was fun. Great. I've loved beetle juice for years, though. No surprise here. It's so nice to have a, a movie where the the villain is also kind of the protagonist. Yeah. And then the actual protagonists are just kind of nice people. They're just, they're just kind of nice. They're just good folks trying to figure out what's, what's going on. Also, Everybody should go watch Beetlejuice. Young Winona Ryder is very good. Oh, a treasure. So so amazing. Also, we've been watching Shit's Creek, which has Catherine O'Hara yes uh, playing the exact Fantastic. same character that she plays in beetlejuice oh, funny. amazing anyway she's great in Shit's creek worm drake uh worm drake is uh, an ugly some bitch like i don't know i don't know what else to say uh, there's nothing new to say about worm drake worm drake's like on though. fire i mean he literally is though in the card art yeah literally on fire in the card art he is he is a worm flambe <laughs> R.I.P. Worm Drake. <laughs> Got toasty. Um, I think he looks cool. Uh, but my personal opinion here in this matchup is that Jinzo is so much more horrifying that he deserves to go forward. Especially since he is paired with Joey Wheeler. He's like Joey's card now. And it's mm-hmm. just so bizarre seeing this like scrappy like Bronx or Brooklyn kid with this like horrifying disgusting guy in tow 
Hey, I'm the top duelist here. Jinzo's gonna eat your brains. <laughs> Jinzo, uh, it's my boy Jinzo. He's gonna open up the lament configuration and t- take you to a world of unending torment. <laughs> I also think that if, like you were saying earlier in the episode, Jimmy, if Joey had been fighting Ishizu, had been dueling, pardon me, Ishizu, this card would have won the duel for him. Because it completely negated Ishizu's entire shit. That's true. Right? Like, all her traps would be nothing. Also, Jinzo is just objectively far more powerful. Yeah. Numeric. Just in terms of fighting By the numbers, yes. He's he's tough. I like Worm Drake a lot. Uh, Worm Drake? I think he looks cool. But I don't think he can go up against Jinzo and win. I I have to agree. I want to I want to cover Worm Drake's sort of career to get to this point though. Worm Drake originally went up against Flying Fish. That was a, a no contest. Uh, <laughs> Literally just a fish. Just a fish. Then Worm Drake faced off against Vorse Raider, which is a little bit more difficult, but we didn't really know what Vorse Raider was. And then most recently, Worm Drake went up against the Snake Hair. And that was a close one because we were looked at both cards and went, what the fuck are any of these actually? <laughs> uh, so Worm Drake is here largely for being nonsensical, but nonsensical in a way that we could appreciate. Yeah. It's good enough Jinzo to be is here. a dual monster. Yeah. I think of Jinzo, these two... Uh, yeah, I have to give it to Worm Drake for being the one that looks like it was actually like a demon in ancient Egypt that has been summoned forth to the modern day. Definitely, definitely. This this fits the the brief, right? Yeah, Jinzo does uh, not. Jinzo, but he is cool in his own way. He's cool in his own way. Jinzo got here, uh, beating actually a lot of really high profile monsters. Jinzo beat Red Eyes Black Dragon, then Karibo. Then Kisatai, who is that uh, oh, your fleshy balloon animal, uh, and, and is now here facing off against Wormdrake. I think, if I'm hearing us correctly, that we're giving it to Jinzo. Yes. Lauren? Yeah, I'd say give it to Jinzo. All right. Jinzo, congratulations. You are moving on to the semifinals of the monster city, the, the battle city monster, the monster battle, the the bracket. Monsters, they be fighting. <laughs> Worm Drake, you had a great run. We thank you for your service. Uh, it, your time was not now. No. All right. That is going to bring us to the end of the episode. I'm really excited. We have two more matchups, and then we're going to do sort of a separate ultimate champion episode where this is the only thing we do is the monster bracket. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us and talk about the monster bracket, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, heartofthe.cards. Visit us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at yampod. Uh, and, uh, if you want to listen to other stuff that we do, Lauren and I do an egg podcast called egg centric, and we just recorded two hours of, of content, <laughs> our new project, you can call it that, uh, of a, a new project that I am, I'm excited to announce. We will have a website up. I've just purchased the domain. The website will be up tomorrow. The lore horse. 
an equine history podcast where we cover the entirety of horse history, one horse at a time. It's not even a full podcast. I would describe it as a micro podcast. They're only like Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minutes each. We literally have grabbed Wikipedia pages for famous horses and we read them to each other. And that's the entire show. And it's maybe some of the most fun that I've had making a podcast recently. There are some weird horses in history. Horses? And people horses like are wackadoo, them. man. Yeah, they're, they're just such strange animals. We don't know anything about horses, but it was fun reading no. about them. People have a strange relationship with horses. And it's amazing what people will write about them. Like, there was one that I read that was just pages and pages and pages of how a horse did at every race that it went to. And then many more pages about like how it fucked. (laughs) And then they love to talk about how horses fucked. And then like Jimmy, you had one that like was a a war hero and it was a decorated war hero. And there were like letters from people in the army being like, I love this horse so much. I would lay down my life for it. (laughs) yeah so yeah the lore horse um i don't know when i'm gonna put up the first episode i I gotta start editing them uh but we do have the website now uh it's it's lore.horse that you bought during this this podcast you bought the website for the other (laughs) podcast i did while we were (laughs) Um, recording uh we're gonna be on twitter at the lore horse um i'm i'm very excited to see what people think of that project well once i start editing them we'll probably come up weekly uh just little little sound bites of little vignettes yeah all right am i missing anything am i forgetting anything go be kind to one another uh find ways to help each other honestly like this week is all just about staying sane and having fun where you can sounds good to that cool uh, next week on the show, we are going to be talking about The Tomb Keeper's Secret, I believe is the title of the episode. So look forward to that. And until next time, I'm about to destroy your deck, or what's left of it. <laughs>